Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Yes. Is that... What is that? It's a Thought Bubble theme. Oh. Yeah! Boys and girls, your attention, please. Presenting a new exciting radio program, faster than an airplane, more powerful than a locomotive, impervious to bullets. Hello and welcome to The Thought Bubble, a podcast about comics and comics-adjacent culture. I'm Joanna Robinson. And I'm Dave Gonzalez. If you're just joining us for the first time, we're here to answer your questions about all things comics. Dave here is our so-called expert, and I'm your friendly neighborhood novice. But this podcast is meant for comics lovers of all levels. If Dave wants to go in-depth or spoilery about a particular answer, he'll do so in our advanced section that comes at the end of each episode with ample warning. So don't worry. If you have a question for us, please shoot us an email at bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com. You can find all of our old episodes at fightinginthewarroom.com slash comics. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. It is Tuesday, June 23rd, and this is issue number 19. And welcome back to the Thought Bubble. We've been on long hiatus. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, some stuff went down in this fictional land of Westeros. That, you know, was thrilling as always, but I uh, I also had a lot of feelings about it as always. Yeah, so if you want to hear our thoughts and feelings on Game of Thrones, perchance, you might want to check out the Storm of Spoilers uh, podcast, which is at fightingthewarroom.com slash gotspoilers. Are you impressed that I remembered a URL for once? Uh, it's, what, the second uh-huh. season? Yes, I'm glad you picked it up. <laughs> Finally got it. Yeah. Uh, we are our usual format for the show. If you're new to the Thought Bubble, is a sort of le- uh, listener mailbag question and answer. But since we've been gone for so long, our emails have sort of dried up. So what we're going to do this week is we're just going to touch briefly on some of the most important news that's been going on today and over the past few weeks, and then we're going to talk about what we've been reading and. Just remind you that we're here, that you can send your questions to bubbleyourthoughts at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Joe Wrote This. Dave is at a at DA7E. Uh, you can tweet us questions if you have those too. But anyway, let us dive into some news, first and foremost. I think we should obviously start with Dave's area of expertise and, and a piece of news that broke today, in fact, which is that... Sony and Marvel have found their new Spider-Man in young Tom Holland. And they've also found a director in John Watts. And this confirms a few things that Dave has been telling us for a long time. And that they, the sort of casting pool told us, which is that they're going young and white uh, with Spider-Man. So Tom Holland is 19, but he looks younger. Kevin Feige and, and other people have said that they are interested in keeping this Spider-Man in high school as, as long as they can. Dave, yeah. what are your thoughts? I'm happy that we didn't have to do this podcast in between the last time we talked and now because this Spider-Man casting thing has been weird. Uh, there's been a lot of names up. The process seems to have hit a little bit of a stopping point at some point because the two companies weren't agreeing on who should be it. But uh, it appears that we've landed on Tom Holland, and uh, I forget the director's name already, but he made a cop, cop Car this year at Sundance, which is a Kevin Bacon detective movie that Focus Features picked up through their subsidiary called Focus World. 
So we'll we'll all hunt that down this year together and figure <laughs> out. There's uh, a trailer online. You're going to watch the trailer for Cop Car and see Kevin Bacon and a mustache yeah. uh, and get a sense of it. It is very weird. I mean, it's not entirely weird because Mark Webb was cast or, or hired to direct uh, the previous two Spider-Man films, having really only made 500 Days of Summer. But this is even, you know, and Colin, famously Colin Trevorrow, got hired to do Jurassic World, having only really made Safety Not Guaranteed. This is sort of even further into that let's pluck a, a Sundance director with promise for a major franchise because Cop Car hasn't even come out yet. So we don't even know if the general public is going to be interested in it. Uh, you know, at least saw with, something in, yeah. in the Cop Car that made him think that, uh, you know what the next step is, is a large... Uh, bubblegum looking comic book movie <laughs> i um I, I saw a film at south by southwest called one and two uh starring kiernan chipka and i don't know if i've talked about this on the podcast but all i could think of when i saw it was this guy is auditioning for his own comic book franchise like you know it's about these kids who had powers but they were basically mennonites and uh, but it, it was not a good movie but it just looked like a, a hire me to direct her comic book movie audition piece. And I wonder how many more of those we'll start seeing at, at film festivals since this seems to be the trend. But anyway, John Watts is our director, Tom Holland, who uh, you can see videos on his Instagram of him flipping around adorably in his PJs in presumably his backyard. Uh, he was uh, in the musical Billy Elliot. So he's quite an athletic, talented, you know, movement kid. He was in... Um, what was the Naomi Watts, Hugh McGregor tsunami film? Uh, you that. just made me remember that existed. But anyway, he's the now. he's the kid in that. So you know he's got good acting chops, good good physicality, but he's largely unknown, and I think that's more to his advantage than Asa Butterfield, who was the uh, other one of the other front runners. I think going even less known uh, with Tom Holland is is a good idea for this. Yeah, I agree. And uh, he's going to just pop up in the smallest of ways in Civil War, I think. Uh, I would be interested to see if Tom Holland is actually ever going to be on set with uh, everybody else or if they're just going to sort of bring him in for some stuff. Because I know there's a, there's a Spider-Man on Suits. set already. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's just more... I mean someone in the suit? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, in order to do, like, a, a mask-off reveal, because one of the rumors we heard is that, yeah, Peter Parker would already be Spider-Man. We're not going to see an origin, necessarily. So he will already be Spider-Man when they do Civil War. So, yeah, in theory, we could just have a kid and or someone, something diminutive in a suit for most of the part their part in, in Civil War and then see the mask come off maybe right at the end. Now that they've cast Tom Holland. Yeah, or just put him in a scene, mask off, that is separate from uh, the buttload of Avengers that are in this goddamn movie. That is another thing that I'm sure we'll continue talking about. We will, we but we are... Through production. <laughs> we are thankfully staying away from the Avengers for the most part today, though I guess Spider-Man counts as an Avenger and... Um, no, I mean, everything kind of is mushed into Avengers. Uh, next, I do want to talk about Ant-Man, which might uh, eventually, well, will definitely eventually, no, if it does well, we'll wrap into the Avengers, right? Isn't that the, the prevailing theory? Mm, Paul Rudd's already it, been on set for Civil War, so Ant-Man will, will, will return. 
<laughs> so you wanted to talk about some of the information that uh, has resulted from the Amman set visits. The big headline being that Wasp, who is um, Michael Douglas's wife uh, and uh, Evangeline Lilly's mom, that that character will at least make a brief appearance in the movie. That they didn't cast anyone important, but that there's some backstory there. You can you can Google that if you want to get the entire backstory. We'll keep it pretty light uh, on plot there, but just knowing that Wasp is in the movie is important. Uh, and I know that a lot of people think that Evangeline Lilly eventually will take on the role of Wasp. Uh, her Hope Van Dyne character will take on that role. What else did we learn from the set visits that you're interested in talking about, Dave? Uh, well, just a lot more details about Ant-Man, uh, where I saw that IMAX uh, preview that was before Jurassic World and was really not impressed by that. Uh, not that those IMAX previews are really good indicators, but like the Guardians of the Galaxy IMAX preview was like the escape from the jail sequence. And oh, it right. was like amazing. And it was the first thing that I got to see be like, oh, look, Groot and Rocket are going to work. Like, it's going to be funny. It's going to be like a silent comedy for some bits. And, uh, you know, it's it's a concept that can be pulled off. Uh, I didn't see anything. I haven't seen anything from Ant-Man that makes me think that that uh, was pulled off. So I was uh, despairing for like a week. But now uh, set visit information has come out along with interviews where they're being very forward about, uh, you know, Wasp and uh, seeing Michael Douglas uh, in flashback to S.H.I.E.L.D. and also at one point in the suit and then maybe his wife also in the... Anyway, but... Uh, and then they've showed a group of uh, movie journalists about 20 minutes from the film, uh, including a sequence with an aged-down Michael Douglas and a sequence that included a character that apparently everybody was going crazy for, which uh, could be Wasp, or it could be something that we've seen from the Lego set, which would be uh, Michael Douglas becoming Ant-Man uh, for the huge climax of the film. But uh, it's just interesting how all i needed was a little bit more information to get me re-excited about ant-man because i guess it we have had so little information about it that i really thought that it was going to be a film that tried to be more of a comedy than i think i it is i think i gave it i was expecting it to be funny over being um like a smaller fantastical story um, and I'm not sure how I'm going to enjoy seeing their type of photography of uh, when Ant-Man's miniature in 3D because it feels sort of disorienting, kind of like they do a tilt-shift uh, sort of focusing trick. But uh, it sounds like I completely misestimated um, this movie based on its little chopped-up preview. So I, I regained hope in Ant-Man after losing it uh, while we were away. Excellent. So there's Hope for Ant-Man, which is our next Marvel feature to come out. Uh, it's soon, right? Yeah, end of the next month, I think. Wow, July 17th, I think, is the according to our schedule. There so you that's go. exciting. Um, and then we have one more Marvel news and then some DC news, and then we'll get on to what we're reading. The next bit of Marvel news is that John Barenthal of The Walking Dead fame, or, or whatever their fame, uh, Band of Brothers fame, if you prefer, um, has been cast as Punisher on Daredevil Season 2. And this is big news because Punisher is a much-beloved character that I think a lot of people feel hasn't gotten been portrayed quite correctly yet. 
Lexi Alexander, I think most people think got close, but Punisher is going to be in Daredevil season two. Dave, why should we be excited about this? Um, because it's going to be Marvel doing the Punisher, and traditionally we get excited about these things because the company that you know created it sort of knows how to use it, or at least Marvel Studios has shown that they know how to uh, execute their properties better than other people, unlike uh, previous Punisher movies. Uh, not that Punisher Warzone was a bad execution of the Punisher, but it wasn't something that was in universe and putting Punisher together with a character like the Daredevil that we saw uh, portrayed on Netflix makes a lot more sense uh, in terms of a place to put him. I always thought it'd be fun to put him in like a different universe with like Ghost Rider and Blade, uh, so you could allow him to be a little bit more violent. But um, him being in Netflix is going to kind of keep him to that hard PG-13, but never our uh, line. But I don't think we should really depend on John Brenthal being a huge part of season two, um, but maybe something that's included uh, as like part of its little mini arc um, that they could either bring back or if he's like super popular, let him pop up somewhere else. Yeah, and I like that idea of him having sort of a C-level or B-level I like him being almost, I don't know, crossbones, maybe uh, the way crossbones was in the last Captain America film. Just sort of a low-level character that is nonetheless recognizable to comic book fans that could be expanded but won't get in the way of a full cast that is going to get even fuller next season. So Right. I've heard rumblings that we're not we're going to dispense with an origin story, um, but that doesn't mean that we might not hear his origin story mentioned somewhere else before Daredevil Season 2. Uh, Marvel has... Well, I guess we going slightly back to Ant-Man and Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> there's also been It's all rumors, connected, man. It's all connected. There's been rumors that Oscorp is going to be one of the companies that's bidding on the Yellow Jacket armor, uh, which would seed uh, existing Spider-Man into the universe with Ant-Man. So I think um, Marvel knew what it was doing much before longer before it was telling us what they were doing. So I think some of these things are going to have um, little Easter egg hints and stuff that may be even coming out this year. The yellow jacket armor being what Corey Stahl, the villain in uh, Ant-Man, is wearing. Right? Yeah, what he's uh, in the trailer is trying to sell yeah. to people. The yeah. little thing, okay. the, the little yellow thing with the tentacles. Yes. All right. And now we are veering DC to talk about something that, alas, we did not get to talk about during the hiatus, which is the Flash finale, which was huge. Um, you know, spoilers for the Flash finale if you haven't watched Flash this season, but I, I think everyone agrees that the show really stuck the landing in the finale there. It showed that the creators really did have a lot of vision for the series and are playing the, the long game uh, with, you know, parallel universes and glimpses of the future and going into the past and all of that. So, Dave, what? Uh, I think it's really interesting <laughs> with, like, the first season of, like, sci-fi shows or whatnot when they're finding their feet. It's, like, at the end of the season, if you look back at the beginning of the season and, like, where you're, how were your expectations subverted and how were they met? So for something like Fringe... You go and you watch the first season and you're like, I am starved enough for an X-Files that if you want to do like weird X-Files <laughs> thing and uh, find your place, 
like I'll go along with you for a season. And then in season two, they you know figured out how to split their world and allow Anator to like expand, and they knew what their show was. Flash like ended their pilot with like that uh, with uh, Wells walking into future room and uh, bringing up the Infinite Crisis newspaper. And that seemed like uh, Easter egg planted there just to show us where they would want to go in like the the, the future run of the series. Because the thought was, there's no way they're going to touch anything like Crisis. And then they went like as close to doing Infinite Crisis as you could do with only having access to like one character and Arrow. So I like. Can it. you talk about Infinite Crisis a little more? Uh, well, I guess they didn't necessarily do Infinite Crisis, and we will end up talking about Infinite Crisis more because I think Convergence ends up maybe undoing it. I haven't read Convergence, guys. We'll, we'll get to comics uh, later, but uh, just the just the idea that there's um, multiple infinite universes, if you will. And Infinite Crisis took them all and sort of unified them into uh, different Earths. There was like an Earth 2 and a blankety-blank. And, you know, that's the, the John Garrick helmet that comes out of the portal in the finale of Flash. Right, right. A hint to the Earth 2 uh, John Garrick. So basically, if you think about, um, you know, both of the comic houses having these infinite universes in order to write continuity of things that have been done all over the years. Flash is the first show that um, is splitting off into the multiverse. And it's really weird. It's not weird. It's rare. It's really rare (laughs) for Uh a TV show to do time travel, multiversal time travel like that, because it's just impossible to keep up with the rules and it becomes ridiculous. But if anything's going to do it, it's Flash, which, like, ended with him running up a tornado to, like, I don't know, punch a God Force black hole. So it's like, that's the show that's already at the point where it's like, I don't really care about time travel if you're going to show me, like, a gorilla fight that I actually feel something about. So I'm kind of willing to trust them there. But just being bold enough to, you know, call your shot and uh, hit it even though we all thought, like, there's no way they're going to get into, like, time travel and multiverse and the the speed force and all of that. And they, they did it all, and it seemed uh, organic and not too comic booky, like, say, uh, Age of Ultron. All right. Um, do, so do, we have... Do you what? feel similarly? Oh, um, I, I, I do feel that, while I may not understand the implications of everything the flash finale. I mean, I don't know for me, I feel like you and I interact with stories a little differently. And, and for you all the time, it's, um, you know, how does this all connect the time? This wait, and, wait, and I, but for me, some of the times I'm just gonna, you know, before you say all the time, I say, uh, did I say all the time? Yeah. Some of just, the time. You know, I would like to think I alternate somehow when I take I, in stories, but go I, ahead. Maybe, you, maybe you're going to blow me out of the water. No, most of the time. Okay. I would say most of the time. All right. You like to interact with stories, at least these stories, these comic book stories as puzzles that you can connect, the connective tissue that you can explore. It's not the only thing you enjoy, but it's a thing that you really, really love. Yes. Uh, and that's not a thing that I respond to very as, – as as well as you do. I do it with Game of Thrones, but not as well with, with comic books just because I don't have – that knowledge, but I do respond to emotion mm-hmm. and they nailed that in the flash finale for oh, me yeah, with, with the Jesse L. Martin character who has 
always been the most compelling character to me in the series. And so the fact that they were able to balance that, they were able to load it with so many, I don't know, Easter eggs and promises and, and uh, breadcrumb trails and all of this for, for the geekery side and then also land the emotional beats. It really, really speaks to the success of that finale. Yeah, and I was expecting just the emotional beats, and I would have been happy with that. Like, I was expecting right. Barry to go back and, you know, like, either stop his mom's murder, or accidentally kill his mom himself, but basically all those goodbyes he had were going to be real goodbyes. So when it turned around and it started spitting Earth 2 stuff at me and then opened up a hole in the sky and cliffhangered the entire season, <laughs> I was like, all right, Flash, you win again. Like, even until the last <laughs> moment, you had yeah. me guessing, and you surpassed my expectations. And that's just rare for someone like me that has a high but what i feel meetable expectations yeah yeah so you know applause from all sides yeah and if you haven't watched flash i mean you know hopefully you're not still listening hopefully you skipped ahead but if you're still listening watch flash really i i was resistant to it a lot of the season as people know and i was trying to hold on to the goodness of arrow but the arrow finale just like oh blue a big one and the flash finale was great i you know i don't know if this will be cyclical though like if flash will be able to sustain this goodness because arrow was really good for season two so well at least you know, pass now off they're gonna the legends of tomorrow well, that's what I was going to say. Like, now we have Legends of Tomorrow. We also potentially have Supergirl to worry about. So, you know, they've got a lot of balls in the air. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hashtag Wentworth Miller rides a dinosaur. <laughs> that's my Captain, only hope. Does Captain Cold ride a dinosaur? That's my only hope with Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> you have a time traveling, like, the trailer looks ridiculous. Yeah. Like, let Wentworth Miller ride a dinosaur. <laughs> All right, so that's all our, our film and television talk that we're going to touch on today. Uh, you know, we'll get back into some more next time. But for now, we're going to actually turn to some books that we've been reading. Uh, I'm going to start. Yeah. Good. We have the first one in common. Nimona. We both read Nimona? No. It's you Lumberjanes. That's not what I... Okay. Lumberjanes. Also by Noelle Stevenson, who actually sadly just announced that she's departing the series, which, which really bones me out. But... Uh, Lumberjanes. I guess we've both been reading Lumberjanes, which is written by Noelle Stevenson, uh, a.k.a. Ginger Hayes. And she has recently announced that she's departing the series, which is really sad. They've also announced that they're doing a Lumberjanes film, which is crazy uh, and interesting. And this is just a really sweet, fun and funny comic that, like, don't look for any deeper... <laughs> pathos other than you know some superficial friendship and girl power sort of stuff but in terms of i don't know it's just a wacky fun cute comic really it's really like it's it's the moon to the sun that is adventure time to me oh that's a good point that's a good way to put it yeah um and it's yeah it's just chock full of great great little characters really fun art i really really like it the other noel stevenson thing i want to push even more though is nimona which is the trade collection of started as a web comic i'm actually not sure how much of what's printed in the book was ever published on the web. But Nimona, also by Noelle Stevenson, art by Noelle Stevenson, so good. Really, really great contained story about a young girl uh, who's a shapeshifter who basically volunteers as an apprentice to a, to a supervillain with one arm. He's got like a Furiosa robot arm. Um, and, you know, it's the kind of story where the bad guys are good and the good guys are bad. And, you know, if, if you've got a 
Game of Home, Game of Thrones shaped hole in your heart. It's got dragons. It's got you know knights with backstory. It's 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 great. It's banking? really really funny. Does it have banking? Um, it actually has banking. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bank heist. I think that counts. So uh, anyway, Nimona, I, I highly highly recommend. Uh, I also continued with two series. I mean, all of my comics are girl comics in the coolest way possible. So I continue with Saga, which I consider kind of a girl comic. Um, but I read Saga 4, which I had been out for a while, but I just finally got around to it. Uh, it has a time jump. It's pretty interesting. And then uh, I read Rat Queens 2. Rat Queens had a change in artist. Um, and so there was a big concern about that. Uh, because there was some shady business with the original artist, so he was fired. New artist hired. I, I was a little worried because I really liked the art in the first volume, um, despite the shadiness of the actual person who was behind it. And uh, but but I think the art in the second volume is um, the second trade is it's not quite as good, but it's the story is so good that it doesn't matter, and it's good enough. It matches enough that it's not jarring. Mm. Um, but something that they did between, you know, in the sort of interregnum between artists is the guy who does Rat Queens did a side comic. I, I'm sure there's, is there a technical term for this? I don't know, like a one-off with a character. Would you call it a side comic? What would you call it? Yo, yeah, like a limited series or a side, side comic. Side comic yeah. seems fun. Okay, side comic with his character, this orc character named Braga. And, uh, it's got some like crazy transgender messages in it. Um, you know, Braga is this character that, that, you know, presents as female in, uh, in the, in the current Rock Queen's timeline. And then you flash back and you find out that Braga was not always a lady. And it's really, really cool and interesting and, you know, coincidentally topical with a lot of the Caitlyn Jenner discussion. I read it right around the same week. That, that issue of Vanity Fair came out. So, um, yeah, the Braga Rat Queen comic. Really, really interesting. So that's what I've been reading, uh, on my to read list still is Red Sonia and Alias. Dave, what have you been reading? Ooh, okay. Let me organize the piles here and see how we're, <laughs> how we're going. All right. So from Boom, we talked about Lumberjanes. I went to Denver Comic Con and uh, went to the Boom booth specifically to seek out the first Lumberjanes paperback. And then I also went to the Oni Press book to get the In- Invader Zim preview uh, comic. I haven't gotten Invader Zim number one yet, uh, but I did get a Rick and Morty uh, zero variant. Nice. Uh, so nice. <laughs> I'm uh, also waiting to read that. That's in the to-read pile. But uh, while I was at the Boom um, booth, I happened to spill a little beer on this thing called Teen Dog Number 1. So I bought it, and they're like, hey, (laughs) it's an eight-issue series for six bucks. You get the rest of the eight. And I'm like, yeah, why not? So I got all eight issues of Teen Dog, which is written and drawn by Jake Lawrence. (laughs) It's um, like an episodic... Uh, it's about a dog that goes to high school and he's the coolest and it's whimsical and I, I would say, I don't know, like it reminds me, Boom obviously does, you know, Lumberjanes, Adventure Time. It feels in that, um, it feels like sort of in that realm with a little bit of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Um, it more just sort of like a mood piece about Teen Dog. But anyway, I was very surprised, uh, bonus XP for spilling beer, I suppose. <laughs> um, 
<clears throat> weird thing I just picked up because I saw it uh, when I was on vacation. I'm like, I can't believe this exists as a thing. Is uh, Django Zorro. Quentin Tarantino wrote a comic where they meet. Wow. Uh, yeah, I bought uh, number one. It's from Dynamite and Vertigo. And uh, surprisingly, because they're both pulp characters, it doesn't bother me so much that it's the Tarantino Django, but like the general mythical Zorro. It's not like the, you know, Anthony, uh, oh God, what's his name? Hopkins? No. Oh, or it's not the Hopkins <laughs> version. Yeah. Or the uh, the other one. Yeah. It's Antonio not like Banderas? <laughs> Banderas. It's not the, any of the Disney versions. There we go. Right. That's what I was like searching for uh, that we're used to seeing. It's more like the traditional mythological version or not mythological literary version. Um, yeah. So it's pleasantly The original Batman. That. Like right? the, the original Batman. If it's not Robin Hood, but I think Zorro wore black. So let's if give it's not the Scarlet Pimpernel, it's, it's hard to say, but. I like I like saying Zorro because Zorro remained like a man of means while he was also being Zorro. That seems so did the Scarlet Pimpernel. Did he? Did he? Didn't, he didn't abandon it. I need no. To. All right. L- he still had his estate. He still had to go to like balls and pretend to you know just like uh, Bruce Wayne did. You know he had to wear like satin breeches and go to balls and pretend like he cared. So right. or not. Well, anyway, in, the one in moving black, on. Then. Yes. <clears throat> All right. Um, point, points for black masks. Points for black masks. Uh, <laughs> in in DC land, I finished uh, Batman Endgame, which was amazing. And I don't know if we talked about it before, but Scott Snyder is doing the Batman you should be reading if you are a Batman fan of some period of time. It's having one of those, you know, ages where, like, other weird stuff could happen in the DC universe, but you could trust Batman to be doing something that's uh, really good. Scott Snyder's Batman Endgame specifically um, sees the Joker return after uh, Death in the Family, uh, Death of the Family. Very confusing that those are two different things. But, uh, yeah, really brings it back to that core relationship in a way that... um, you know, the, it's weird for a comic book to make me excited for Jared Leto's portrayal of Joker, but like seeing <laughs> that there is something left in Joker to mine and like uh, insanity that doesn't feel rote uh, in the Batman universe uh, was really pleasant. Uh, and then Marvel titles. Uh, if it's a Star Wars Marvel title, I'm reading it. Uh, the main one is uh, not as good as everybody would have you believe, considering they changed canon to get like USA Today headlines. Like they gave Han Solo a wife, which we haven't really like experienced yet. But point being, it's like the main one. Because of that, it has to weave in and out of continuity in weird ways. And I'm not really a fan of the art. Um, they don't know how to draw Harrison Ford. And it's like, it seems like an important character to nail down for Star Wars. Uh, Darth Vader, on the other hand, the solo Darth Vader book is amazing, including a, um, he found a, like a negative evil version of C3PO and R2D2, where the protocol droid is black instead of gold and uh, specializes Ooh. in torture and the R2 unit is an assassin droid. Uh, it just is so enjoyable. And uh, he figured out that he has a son and we got some flashbacks to uh, Padme and whatnot. And anytime you can make me feel something about the prequels for the first time, uh, it's well worth it. So if you're yeah. going to pick up, pick up uh, Star Wars, <laughs> that or the Princess Leia limited series also 
uh, really good, but that is limited. That will not be ongoing. I think they're going to replace it with a Lando limited series when that's done. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, but uh, yeah, all good there on Star Wars. Elsewhere in the Marvel front, uh, Secret Wars started. Let's see, what am I reading in Secret Wars? Old Man Logan, which is old Logan wandering through a battle world, and he's crossed borders, and he's just happened across the Age of Apocalypse X-Men. And everybody in Battle World is very confused because they've been living in Battle World for like, uh, I don't know, five to eight years? I forget. It has been revealed in Secret Wars 3 how long of a time jump we've been. But uh, everyone only remembers the status quo. So Old Man Logan uh, thinks that he killed all the X-Men years ago and when he stumbles across an alternate version of them, uh, and things, thing, cra- crazy things happen. Uh, but Old Man Logan's written by Brian Michael Bendis. It's probably one of the, um, series I'm most enjoying, uh, especially since I know the character's gonna stick around after the event, uh, which is nice to have an old Wolverine. Although I'm not sure if he's gonna be able to be on the planet, cause I have what we've talked about with mutants earlier, but we'll, uh, put that to the side for a moment. Uh, <laughs> Thor- Thor's is a cop book. Uh, where, cause all the, the Thors are the police force of Battleworld. And so it's very literally a murder mystery, like cop book, uh, with alternate Thor, or ultimate Thor and Beta Ray Bill being like the two lead detectives. Uh, they catch, uh, something called like an all warning, or they basically catch like a serial murder. And they talk about it like it's like a, you know, old L.A. noir cop mystery. Like, I can't believe, you know, I caught another body like this late in my shift and I have to work with this green Thor. Really interesting in terms of a flavor to take all these Thor characters. Uh, and yeah, it's, uh, other characters, there's a Groot Thor that only says, I am Thor. Uh, Stor- Storm is a Thor. Uh, you know, this is the, the whole alternate Comic universe. Comic books are crazy, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I've been reading Secret Wars Battle World, which is a bunch of little short stories. There's a Doctor Strange Punisher. Uh, issue one was a Doctor Strange Punisher. No, wait, a Punisher story in a world where everybody had Doctor Strange powers. And Modoc, the machine designed only for killing, brings all, all the other universes' Modocs to him and tries to rule them, but that backfires and they all end up fighting each other. And then, um, also in Battle World Two, uh, uh, General Ross is in Arcadia, which is like our gladiatorial uh, area, and he is melded with War Machine, and he kills the Taskmaster. And oh god, I don't remember what the second story is now off the top of my head. Um, but Battle World is a whole bunch of really short stories where you see these worlds and sort of the, um, I guess, stories within it. Uh, it's not as essential as the other books, but if you're just looking for interpretations of characters you love in like little one-offs, super interesting. Uh, let's see, A Force, uh, also in Arcadia, Ooh, all yeah. women, really you good. Said, you mentioned a lady comic, and all of a sudden I got interested again. Yeah, well, I thought that'd bring me back. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll divert a little bit, but yeah, A Force, really amazing. Uh, the females are uh, represent. They fight a giant shark uh, because somebody's sort of like making trouble in their area, and they're trying not to uh, 
uh, they're trying to avoid everybody. Doom rules over this world as a god to the point where people don't say like "Oh my god," they say like "Oh my doom," and you get like this weird Battlestar Galactica frack substitution moment. But like after enough issues, it sort of pulls together. But they're trying to uh, basically avoid um, one of their own getting uh, banished because this giant mutant shark attacks their land, and the, one of the ladies throws the mutant shark over a border, which Doom says you can't do. So now there's like this investigation to see who has it out for uh, Arcadia or the A-Force. But anyway, uh, really that sounded dry, but reading it, just the banter between all these women, these superpowered women that everyone loves is uh, well worth it. Let's see. Amazing Spider-Man, uh, Renew Your Vows uh, is weird. Spider-Man has his daughter back, but he gave up being spider-man after killing venom when venom went after his daughter as a baby so there's sort of like a what would the world be like without spider-man because he stopped being spider-man to have his kid i feel a little weird about that but we also have spider-verse which is where all the other spider-men ended up uh they're all sharing the same universe and sort of refinding each other trying to figure out why all the spiders ended up together so spider-ham lives and uh, <laughs> the Indian Peter uh, Spider-Man lives, and uh, uh, Spider-Gwen is there, and Spider-Man Noir, and a couple uh, alternate re- alternate reality Spider-Man villains that they've been uh, kicking around. Unsure really where that's going, but it's nice to see the Spider-Verse sort of uh, dynamic back where you have all these... Spider-Man bouncing off each other. It sort of feels like a retread, but it hasn't been. It's only had two issues, and it doesn't feel like enough of a retread that I'm really pissed because uh, Spider-Gwen is more fully formed this time around, and she's sort of our way into the uh, story. All right, uh, Planet Hulk. Uh, Captain America rides a blue dinosaur in Greenland, which is everybody is Hulk's. Um, they. We should do a quiz one week where you say plots, and I have to guess if they're real or fake. If they're actually they actually happened, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be great. The whole first week, they they just all be real. Thor, no, Groot, and I'm sorry, Captain America rides a green dinosaur in Blue Land. Blue Blue dinosaur in Greenland. Green, well, it's called Greenland because it's everybody's Hulks. Uh, <laughs> okay. They send in the Captain America and his dinosaur to go kill this main Hulk. Uh, we don't know who that's going to end up being yet. Maybe it's Bucky or something. There's some reason that they send in Captain America because they think he's like unkillable. He's done good in the Arcadian fighting pits, et cetera, et cetera. Some of these books all start tying together to uh, the main books, which is called Secret Wars, which I'll get to. But uh, mostly these are just like fun little one-offs. Uh, what else have I been reading from the Secret Wars? Um, Ultimate End is the Ultimate Universe is has collided with Manhattan from the 616 Universe. Ultimate End is sort of where you see the characters who made it through the event and still remember what happened. So that's where you have your Miles Morales, um, two versions of Tony Stark, uh, two versions of Nick Fury, etc. Um, that's sort of the book where they're figuring out what's happening to them. Um, whereas the main Secret Wars arc um, is sort of following Doom, who has saved everybody from the Time Runs Out Avengers, New Avengers crossover line. 
and created this universe uh, literally as a god and rules as a god over it. And um, he's pretty much omnipresent. I'm not sure how he got these powers. They're sort of alluding that there was a uh, choice. The Beyonders offered a, uh, offered a choice between Doom and Stephen Strange, and Doctor Strange chose to let Doom be the god. Uh, but then they took the, the Human Torch, and they made him the new sun, and so now there's this battle world that everybody's been living on for five years, and it's mostly about uh, Stephen Strange and Doom trying to keep order amongst all these uh, different things, but also while having memory of what came before and sort of feeling a god's guilt um, that they you know, weren't able to save more and now they have to rule sort of as tyrants over what they were able to save of all reality. And that's about where we are at Secret Wars. There are tons of books I mentioned that I'm not reading because this event is massive. There's just one that's about like a biplane pilot fighting dinosaurs is what I could tell from the cover. So I'll be poking my, my head into more books, but those are the ones that I'm definitely sticking on uh, till the end. You are doing the, you know, the Lord's work, if, we, if, we've, if I believed in the Lord. Yes. I'm looking- Thanos' work. <laughs> tracking all of this so that we don't some of us don't have to some of us really love reading about captain america riding a blue dinosaur in greenland but um that would be planet hulk yeah i mean i, I, I like I and i don't mean to be like i don't know some sound like some sort of jock stuffing the comic book nerd in the oh there's a groot thor like woo but like it is crazy when you pile up Everything that you've been reading, you know, it's been a while since we've talked. Uh, you read a lot more prolifically than I do, but when you stack it all together, it's amazing. It's incredible. Um, and I know that you just need to be immersed. You know, if I explain plot details of, you know, some of my, I was actually trying to explain some. Pl- oh, I was trying to explain this Saga cosplay because someone was playing the, you know, ghost babysitter in Saga and basically had her mm-hmm. eviscera out. And I was trying to explain why it was really cool. And you know, so when you get in down into the nitty gritty of any of these comics, I mean, Lumberjanes too. Some of the plots there, it's going to sound extraordinary. But but for you, what you just ran through and as it all stacks up, like I did, I didn't mean to sound all. Right. No, you gave me a good place to sort of cap off, which is all of these books are sort of Marvel riffing on certain things that it does. And I should loop back through and tell you very plainly what each of those are. So whether or not these are for you, these are what like each book that I've been reading is that didn't mention Years of Future Past. Years of Future Past is the X-Men book. It picks up from Days of Future Past. So if you like that actual two issue storyline, that's the sort of book for you. Ultimate End is if you liked the Ultimate Universe and you went through, like, Ultimatum and all the other crazy bullshit they've been putting you through, this is more bullshit. There's, like, two versions of Tony Stark talking to each other and wondering why they're different. Like, if that's up your alley, that's the book you want to be reading. Thor's, like I said, like, straight-up detective thing. Some ridiculous notions, but it's, like, sort of the point that these people are acting like cops even though they're Thor's. Uh, Spider-Verse are like, hey, look at all these cool Spider-Man characters and watch them interact. Um, it's like if, you like if you're really in love with the world of Spider-Man and want to see as many alternate versions of things as possible, uh, Spider-Verse is going to bring that back to you because you bought so many comics when they did the event. Good for you. Uh, Secret Wars Battle World is sort of a, a potpourri of peeks into the uh, different... Um, 
worlds and uh, some of them are in their own books and some of them are standalones so I would say if you're picking something and not reading it for plot you just want to see the batshit crazy things that are going on uh, that's where I do it Secret Wars is obviously the main book if you care about why these things are which I would actually argue this is, that that's the least important book like that'll wrap up and then you could come back to it uh, Planet Hulk like I said Captain America on a dinosaur it's sort of like got a Conan feel to it uh, but he's going to be fighting Hulk's uh, Old Man Logan is about um, aging and regret and, you know, uh, uh, Wolverine who thought he killed all his friends happening across his friends and finding a reason to fight again. Uh, blah, 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 blah. What am I missing? Oh, A-Force. Yeah, A-Force <laughs> is basically like, what if we had a female's Avengers all the time and uh, because all the men we're just not taking responsibility for themselves uh and that's why it's great uh it's hard to tell i haven't gotten the second issue yet so it's hard to tell exactly where that direction is but if you want like a um so it feels like the buffy comics uh when they started mm. continuing past where it's like there's a whole team and they're all witty and they're people that you already like uh you just are not used to seeing all of them work together like this um, in a singular way. And then Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows, is, you know, what if Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility? What if that responsibility was not using the power? <clears throat> yeah. But it's uh, it's fun. They're shaking everything up, and they're going to do this all during the summer, and then and there's going to be a time jump, and we are going to get back into another universe that'll be our prime universe. So these are all just to have fun, which is why things like Thor, Thor's and Planet Hulk are the things I'm probably enjoying the most. Awesome. Uh, if you were to recommend one of those titles above all the others, what would you pick? To you? A4. Uh, sure, to me. A4. Well, yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, to the general public, then. I would say pick your flavor. See, that's the thing. Is like I might be missing the thing that's really good because I've gone directly to what I like and like the detective fiction, the Spider-Man's there's like a 16, 18 or whatever that has Angela as like a witch hunter and Angela's only a character that's been in the Marvel universe for like a little while uh, since what uh, uh, Original Sin a year and a half ago so it's like I haven't gotten to the fantasy one, I haven't gotten to Marvel Zombies uh, I haven't gotten to some of the more out there um, uh, lines, uh, Secret Wars books because I'm like you were talking about earlier, mostly plot important person and connections important person. So I would say Thor's. You could pick up Thor's, have no idea what's going on, and by knowing a detective genre, be able to have fun with it. All right, sounds good. Um, that was, we have so much, so much good recommending for our listeners. Uh, if you have something you want to pick up, be it, you know, um, a sort of mythologically drenched lady comic like I like or any of these cool batshit things that, that Dave reads. Um, anything else we want to talk about before we, we sign off today? <laughs> no. I mean, we missed you guys yeah. even though we've been talking in your ears about game of thrones for the last 10 weeks we've missed you guys so yeah we'd, uh, love, we'd love questions obviously and yes. uh i am 
trying really hard to find somebody authoritative to talk about convergence for you DC Comics people. And we I'm have, really close. yeah, a good candidate actually. So we'll we'll uh, we'll tease that as a possibility. Really good candidate to talk about convergence. Um, in the meantime, please do send us your questions. Bubble your thoughts at gmail.com. Dave, where can people find you on the internet? I'm on Twitter at DA7E, podcasting at fightinginthewarroom.com, and writing at geek.com, forbes.com, and latino-review.com. My name's Joanna Robinson. You can find me most days on vanityfair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. And you can listen to me talking about television in general on the Station Agents podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Zone, 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 zone.